Hello and welcome to the cutting room. Not Jack the Ripper. It's a movie show from all the right movies. I had to think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't Jack the Ripper. You got it though. You got it right. <laughs> yeah, I got it eventually. Yeah, yeah it landed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm John, and the two half-assed astronauts with me are Matt. Hello. And Westy. Well, hello. This episode, it's a big one. We're with Spielberg in the Atlantic as we revisit the original summer blockbuster. We're deep diving into Jaws. Mm-hmm. Yep. Before we do that, though, just to let everybody know that All The Right Movies is a YouTube channel, and what you're listening to now is the audio podcast version of the latest episode of our YouTube show called The Cutting Room. The original video version, along with many other episodes and videos, is available on YouTube, so please head over to our channel to watch and subscribe. We actually started out as a podcast, and you can access our full archive of over 120 podcast episodes on our website, alltherightmovies.com, or by signing up to become an All The Right Movies patron at patreon.com forward slash alltherightmovies. Patrons also gain access to loads of other benefits as well, including an exclusive video episode of The Cutting Room every month, chosen by and created specifically for our patrons. So, as you can see, there's loads from all the right movies to keep you busy, so please check out YouTube and Patreon. But for now, it's back to the film. Big shark, big film, so we need a big opening to kick us off, and we've got just the man. Westy, <laughs> why do you want to talk about yours? No pressure whatsoever. Wow, great. Thanks for that, mate. That's really, that's really kind of you. Um, because... It's just an absolute classic. It was the original blockbuster. It was the original film that brought people out of the sunshine into the cinema to watch a film. They don't make them like this anymore, and I'm sick of saying it, but they definitely mm. don't. I mean, this is just yeah. one of them films where not a lot happens, but a lot happens, and you're just so engaged mm. from start to finish, just with character development, with dialogue, just with camera movements. The story is so basic but so engaging. Everything about this was just, it should not have worked, and it just worked on every single level, which is, you know, kind of what we love to talk about, you know, them kind of mm. films from from nothing to something, and I think that in a film that kind of lives with you, and this film always lives with you. Like, I was scared to jump in the, the swimming baths because of this. I was scared <laughs> to go in the bath because of this. I was like, <laughs> it, it was just one of them films that just it, it just ingrains itself in you because it's so well made and so well told. And it's, yeah, I mean, this is, this is you know, it's cinema, so why not? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean... If you look at the facts on the film, one of the most acclaimed movies ever made, critically and publicly, the first ever summer blockbuster, the highest grossing film in history at the time, a huge impact on popular culture. You can't tell me this woman was killed by falling out of a tree. The film that made Steven Spielberg a household name, loads of terrible copycats, some hilarious <laughs> copycats. Jaws <laughs> changed Hollywood forever. I think the question is, why wouldn't we talk about it? Well, exactly. Yeah. So, Joe's created he, Hollywood, so, apart, apart from anything yeah. else. Yeah. Exactly. So here we are. And Matt, Joe's for you. Mm. Yeah. I mean, well, I've got City Hand, so, you know, why wouldn't I want to talk about this one? <laughs> um, Cut money all your life. If only. <laughs> drink. No, I'm with you guys. This film, it barely needs an explanation or a justification, to be honest, for us talking about it. It's yeah. been embedded in popular culture since day one. <laughs> Suckers. 
<laughs> then when you think about the incredible music, the great cast, some amazing behind-the-scenes stories, and obviously this is the film that properly gave us Spielberg. Yeah. And it's also, I think it's a generational film. I don't think there'll ever be a generation that don't enjoy this and that this film doesn't work on. This is something really primal about it that gets you. Yeah, it's just brilliant. Okay, then, welcome to Amity Island. We're bringing the cutting room treatment to Jaws. After a late-night skinny dip out in a 10-year-old boy are mauled by a shark off Amity Island and the mayor refuses to close the beaches, Police Chief Martin Brody joins forces with an eager ichthyologist and a grizzled old sea dog to set out and slay the beast. That bloody mayor, all his fault. <laughs> He's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> he was still the Jaws too, as well. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that anchor suit. That's how he gets away with it. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Steven Spielberg and written by Peter Benchley and Carl Gottlieb, Jaws was produced by Universal Pictures, filmed on location in Martha's Vineyard and stars Roy Scheider as Brody, Richard Dreyfuss as Hooper, and Robert Shaw as Quint. Nice. So how the cutting room works is that we analyse the movie and, in the case of Jaws, we'll each be scoring the film out of 10, but not before we talk about the direction, the writing, the cast, the crew, and our individual highlights. The head, the tail, the whole damn thing. You both up for that then? Well, yeah. Yeah, of course. (laughs) 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 $10,000. Excellent. To start then, we're talking the director of Jaws. Some guy called Spielberg? I think I've heard of him, yeah. Now, before we get started on Steven Spielberg, did you know that he was not the first director of Jaws? I knew no, I that he wasn't, and I knew, I don't know who the guy was, but I know he, he referred to the shark as a whale <laughs> and the fire because of it. Well, yeah, the first director Universal hired was called Dick Richards. Yeah. Richard Richards. Moby Dick Richards. <laughs> Richard Richards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was a world-renowned photographer at the time. He directed a right. film called The Culpepper Cattle Corps, and he was sacked from Jaws for a ridiculous reason, like you say, Westy. In yeah. meetings with the studio, whenever they talked about the great white shark, Dick Richards kept calling it a whale. <laughs> so they got rid of him. <laughs> Did he direct Free Willy? <laughs> well when he was fired michael winner was considered a takeover wow yikes that was nice before the producers richard d zanuck and david brown they recommended the director of their latest film the sugarland express that was steven spielberg yeah so Jaws was Spielberg's second feature film as director. He was only 27, and he had directed TV movies, including Duel, from which he took some learnings that he used in Jaws. And he also directed the pilot episode of Columbo, bizarrely yeah. enough. Amazing. Yeah, but Jaws was just Spielberg's second theatrical release. Mm-hmm. Does that lack of experience show? What do we think of Spielberg's direction on Jaws? Matt? I think it would be really interesting to see what Spielberg would have done with this film if it was 10 years later in his career, because I think it would be very different. Because I've always felt Jaws feels like a film made by a young director who, quite honestly, is probably quite naive about a lot of things. And to be honest, and I don't mean this as an insult, he kind of doesn't know what he's doing in a lot of ways. I can't do it in time. (laughs) Because I think if he was older, there's a lot of stuff he does here that he wouldn't do. I don't think he would shoot it out on sea. Who wants to go out to sea to make a movie about a shark? I think he would use back projection. I think he'd reuse tanks. But for me, it's that naivety 
that makes Jaws still stand up because we're going to go into the production difficulties, but so much of this film, he had to work on instinct alone, not pre-planning, because so many things were going wrong, and he just had to think on his feet and think, right, okay, I've got to get around this, got to find a solution, and he does just doing that constantly. And that's why Jaws feels so fresh, it's very instinctual. And I think if you compare this to his later career, and obviously there's, there's great films in there, of course there is, but everything in his later career feels very, very storyboarded, very planned. Yeah. Jaws never does. If it makes sense, this is Spielberg before he becomes Spielberg, I think. And that's why Jaws stands out so much. And you can tell he's young because there's this really kind of like nice Easter egg there because he really wanted to do a Bond film at the time, but they kept knocking him back because he was too young and inexperienced. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. So that's why when they open the Tiger Shark and that license plate falls out, it's got 007 as the license plate yeah. number. Brilliant. And if you look, it's Lovely. also a Louisiana one which yes. Louisiana was the setting for Live and Let Die, which has been the most yeah. recent one. So, nice. yeah, it's work nice. here. It's just the work of a young guy just bursting with energy who doesn't quite understand how good he really is. Yeah, I think this classic Spielberg in some ways, like the way that he portrays a suburban American family offset against the big fantastical spectacle there's that great scene between Brody and his son Sean where they're pulling monster faces yeah. at each other yeah. that was improvised between the actors Roy Scheider and Jay Mello and that is classic Spielberg the father and yeah. son dynamic but generally I mean what can you say about Spielberg's work here I think the film's legacy speaks for itself as the first ever summer blockbuster it changed everything Prior to 1975 mm. movies didn't advertise on TV very much because it was too expensive Jaws changed all that It is as if God created the devil and gave him Jaws. Movie merchandise wasn't a big money spinner. Jaws changed all that. Back then, movies used to open in one theatre in LA and then gradually roll out across the rest of the country. Jaws opened simultaneously in 465 cinemas. Unheard of at the time, but now, standard practice to do that. Yeah. Highest grossing film ever, $470 million. The first to gross $100 million in the US. Smoking Lodge is sold out. Seats downstairs in the first seven rows only. It's a classic, I think, in every sense of the word. And yes, loads of talented people involved on the screen and behind the scenes, but it's Spielberg's film through and through. And for me, it's not just his most influential and impactful film, it's his best film as well. I think, what an achievement <gasps> for a 27-year-old. Wesley disagrees with that, so <clears throat> come on then, Wesley. Spielberg and Jaws for you. Yeah, I mean, you've just listed everything that Jaws got right. And just like, oh, this, 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 this. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a great achievement. It's a wonderful film. But it's not one that I revisit as much as I should. And it's definitely not for me up there as like Spielberg's best films. This is his most loose film, and it works. But I think it works because of his influences. I think this works because, especially because of Hitchcock. Mm. I think if, mm. if he hadn't been influenced by Alfred Hitchcock, this film would not exist. There's so many bits in this that just hark straight back to Hitchcock. I know he tried to meet him on the on, on a few sets. He, he tried to just turn up, and I know Hitchcock was a massive investor in Universal Studios at the time, and he did the voiceover for the advert that had the Jaws ride in it. Welcome to Universal Studios, where you learn Hollywood secrets. And that's why he didn't want to meet Spielberg. He's like, I've done the voiceover for the Joys Red. I don't want to meet the fish guy. I can't do that. I'm a whore now. I've done the voiceover. The way that he utilizes camera shots in this, it's just the composition, the movement. 
it's the same as the Columbo episode. If you watch that, he just can't sit still. <laughs> he's like a kid who's yeah, just yeah. had too much sugar. Like the introduction to Quint, that camera's like there and the guy in the foreground, move over. You can see him saying it and he moves and clears the frame and then you see Quint and it moves around and it's just this really engaging, really punching kind of kid. And he's just finding his style and finding it. And I think, honestly think that when Spielberg delivered this film, he was as surprised as the audience was. Yeah. Who made that? Who yeah. made that? <laughs> yeah. Was it good? Very frightening. Very tasty. What you don't see works. And Spielberg didn't yeah. know how to direct a horror film. Hitchcock did. And he saw what Hitchcock did. And he just did that in the water. And it's brilliant. I mean, it's it's Bodega Bay. It's exactly where the birds is set. It's the yeah. same place. It's just got that. Thing. You've got your antagonist. Yeah. He's got he's got a fear that's not going to address the problem. It's the same as Vertigo. Oh, I can't climb high. Play. Oh, I can't go in the water. It's just it's mm. got that same kind of vibe. And you know when the the fishermen are throwing out the roast on the jetty, and yeah, he goes yeah, into yeah. the water, and then the jetty becomes the shark. That's yeah. like that's a Hitchcock film. It's, it just yeah. turned that black and yeah. white, and that's a Hitchcock <laughs> film. It yeah. is. I love that bit. Yeah, and it's, but yeah, it's but that's that's genius. And it's like the barrels become the shark. Yeah, it's what you don't yeah. see. But then everything kind of got on top of them. They've released it in a thousand, mm. four hundred and odd cinemas. Everyone's gone to see it when it's sunny outside. And I think that might have got the better of him because he actually filmed the Oscar announcements and he's like i've got this i've got this no problem get that camera on you put it over there do a slow push in do the dolly zoom on me on me reaction when i win (laughs) williams in the background on a violin and he didn't get it (laughs) i didn't get it i wasn't nominated i got beaten up by fellini well, the fact that the film came out as it did is made all the more astonishing when you realise the enormous issues that Spielberg had to deal with during production. So the filming of Jaws started under the shadow of a Screen Actors Guild strike. Nine days before the start of shooting, neither Quint nor Hooper had been cast. Yeah. <laughs> when shooting did start, the script wasn't finished, and Spielberg and Carl Gottlieb were writing scenes at night that they were scheduled to shoot the next day. We're all groping in the dark for a way to tell the story. Shooting out would say caused massive problems. Spielberg wanted the horizon to be empty at all times, so if a ship appeared, they had to wait for hours until it was gone. Madness. And all the waiting around made the casting crew go a bit stir crazy. It's not the time it takes to take the take that takes the time. It's the time it takes between the takes that takes the time that takes the take. Yeah. And the Yorker, Quinn's ship, that sank at one point, not just in the film, for real. Yeah. And pretty famously, the shark, Brucey was called, named after Spielberg's lawyer. I never called the shark Bruce, ever. I still don't. Bruce regularly did not work. Yeah, because Bruce was created by two guys, wasn't he? Bob Matty, I think one was called Joe Alves, the mm. other guy. And yeah. Yeah. like, if you look at what Matty had done, he'd done 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea to think, all right, fair enough, that, that fits with Jaws. But he'd also done Mary Poppins, <laughs> which you think, I don't Poppins remember a shark, huge, Mary man. Poppins. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dancing <laughs> Penguins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. dancing yeah. sharks. Go Penguins and Jaws. <laughs> um, but what he did, he, he actually made three sharks, but what he hadn't done, he hadn't tested them in salt water. So every time they took them out on sea, they would just sink and they had to retrieve them from the seabed. Got to come down and ladle some of this shit. One more time. And that's why it's an hour and 21 minutes before you see the shark, because Spielberg literally had nothing to show people. And that's why he was coming up with workaround after workaround, because originally it was going to be in the first scene with Chrissy. Wow, you see, that's, that's why right, they yeah. put that's why they put salt on the floor for the penguins to dance on in Mary Poppins, <laughs> just to test it. <laughs> see if the animation's going to melt. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I think seeing the shark in the first scene would have been spectacular, but it's for the best that we don't see it immediately. Yeah, of course totally. it is. Like, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Some people say the shark looks rubbish as well. Shark still looks fake. I think it looks pretty good, even still mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. It certainly looks a lot better than the shark in Jaws 3D. Of course it does. (laughs) Everything does. (laughs) Yeah. And at least it doesn't roar like a monster, like in Jaws the Revenge. (laughs) I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. I think I refuse to see that. Never forgotten. Yeah. Well, as a result of all those issues that we just mentioned there, the 65-day shooting schedule for Jaws overran to 157 days, Mm -hmm. and the budget more than doubled from $4 million to $9 million. Goodbye, I'm going back to L.A. Spielberg called Jaws the hardest production he's ever worked on. And I still have nightmares about it. The direction of Jaws then, astonishing when you consider Spielberg's young age, astonishing when you consider the issues that he had to overcome, and one of his best films? One of his best films, but you've got to appreciate Spielberg's influence. So if you want to be a filmmaker, watch lots of films, and you'll pull it out of the bag like he did here. The screenwriters of Jaws were Peter Benchley and Carl Gottlieb. They didn't write the film together. Benchley had adapted his own novel of the same name, written three drafts, and Gottlieb was a TV comedy writer who had never written a film before. (coughs) He and Spielberg were friends, and Spielberg brought him in to eviscerate the script. Eviscerate it. (laughs) So, a co-writing credit on Jaws, but how good is the writing, Westy? The writing, I mean, what writing? Really, it's I mean, it's such <laughs> it's such a visual film. But I know that Gottlieb and Benchley had parts in the film. Peter Benchley plays a news reporter, right, and okay. Carl Gottlieb was on the ferry scene near the start. He's like the mayor's right hand man. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, okay, yeah. great scene, Matt. You see, that's just yeah. purely yeah. visual. The way he just holds that frame and everyone's yeah, inside it the composition yeah. is just incredible. And I get that from the script. I don't feel like the script is... It's such a very visual film. It's so yeah. Spielberg's film. Spielberg doesn't... I don't really think he cares about what people are saying. I think he cares about what people are doing and how that looks. And I think that that just works and kind of bounces off the screenplay. I don't think the screenplay is integral. You can't read the screenplay of Jaws and go, oh, wow, that's like Chinatown. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it, it's got yeah. that kind of vibe where it's, it's just so much of a visual film I can't really give much kudos to the screenplay apart from it chugs along and it works yeah i do agree with you but i do think the writing is good i think the narrative which is taken from the book mostly is excellent very good story and i think it's like a rock it's logical and the jeopardy and threat increases as we go the three main characters i think are well written the protagonist in Brody does have an arc i used to hate the water and the dynamic between the three men's good it's a constant source of a lot of humor and a lot of conflict which i think is impressive an area where I think the writing does impress quite a lot is in adapting the book by Peter Benchley. Right. The novel had flown off the shelves in 1974 and been a bestseller, really popular, but they did make some key changes for the film, which I think all work easily for the best. Right, right. Do you want to know what they are? I know that was the mafia involved in the book, or was yeah. that a screen? That's the one I've heard. Version? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a few. Well, in the novel, Hooper has an affair with Brody's wife, Ellen. Wow. Groping in the dark. Insult to injury, isn't it? Horrible. (laughs) I know, exactly. It's probably the worst part of the book for me. It's really cringeworthy. Right. Then in the book, Hooper is killed by the shark when he goes in the cage towards the end. Okay. In the film, the mayor keeps the beaches open out of capitalist greed. Love to prove that, wouldn't you? Get your name into the National Geographic. But in the book, he keeps the beaches open because gangsters force him to. 
<laughs> which is as bizarre as it sounds. Yeah, Robert and Duvall in there. He never asked the second favor when he's been refused the first. Understood? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and in the book, Brody doesn't blow the shark up. It dies when it succumbs to its wounds and drowns. And then when Spielberg no. changed the end to be more cinematic, Benchley apparently stormed off the set. He was right. I was wrong. What are you going to so, say? Of? Slowly die, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I do think the script's elevated by the cast and especially by Spielberg. But I do mm. still think that it's a good screenplay on the whole. It's a good story. Yeah. It is a good story. Yeah. And, and Matt, what do you think of the writing on Jaws? Hmm. Uh, yeah, very much agree, really. I don't think it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, Some mothers who have them. Oh, just admiring your boomerang. No, I don't think if you read the script, I give you USC, if you read this, you wouldn't be blown away by it, you know. <laughs> no. Give it a Scorsese at the time. He's not going to go, oh, sorry, Main Street's going to put that on the back bench. I've got, yeah. got this one of our shark instead. Yeah, um, that mafia shit would have stayed in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest challenge the film has, though, is how do you keep people engaged with the film when the monster's in the water? Yeah. And all you have to do to keep safe is not go in the water because it can't come out. And I think well, that's yeah. got to be solved in the writing, which it does, because I do find the scenes on land as involving as the scenes we get out on sea, only in a different way. And for me, that comes down to the character writing, because you've got Brody, chief of police, but he's scared of the water, so he's, and he's very blue-collar. So he contrasts to Hooper, who's this privileged young guy who's plenty rich by the sounds of it, but, you know, he, but he's book smart. He doesn't have that much proper experience in the field, which Quint does have. But Quint is also an absolute madman. He has to swim in with bow-legged women. And he <laughs> has to be the one they've ultimately got to rely on. So you've got three very different characters, but I do love the way they all mesh together. And like you say, John, it, it's funny, but there's conflict in there as well when they do that. But because they're all flawed in their own way, they'll only catch the shock if they work together. So I like that. I think the writing does a good job of pulling that together, putting those characters through the mill and making them hit that realisation. And then amongst yeah. that, I like the other like smaller characters, supporting characters, Ellen, Larry, Hendrix. It just gives the film a nice level of detail. So yeah, it's a piece of writing. It's not outstanding, but it's definitely a cut above what you would normally get in this genre. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So the writing on Jaws then, based on a best-selling novel, elevated by the music and visuals perhaps, but still some good screenwriting in there. Yeah. 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 There's a fairly large cast in Jaws, but three main characters in our protagonist, Chief Brody, and two strong supporting characters in shark expert Matt Hooper and experienced shark hunter, Quint. <laughs> We're going to pick one each to talk about, so who are you mm-hmm. going for, Matt? I'm going for uh, Shida as Brody, because I think Shida nice. is a really interesting okay. choice, yeah. because Pulled he's an everyman. Yeah, he does, he holds it together because yeah. he's just so believable and he's so relatable because if you think, what's he done before this? He was in the French Connection, but he's just the sidekick. Yeah. Mm. And then after this, probably his biggest role is maybe Sorcerer and all that jazz. So he's a great actor, but he's not a typical mm. leading man and he's not mm. like a matinee idol. And I think that works so much in Brody's favour because he's not an expert like Hooper. He doesn't have the experience of Quint. He is us. Yeah. He is what we would be in that situation. Everything like, he does is like is what we would do. Yeah, just basically freaking out at every opportunity. Yeah. Jumps and, to you know, this he, shit. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's so viable, Quint. You know, you would kick yeah. off like that yeah. at Quint. You yeah. would lose it. And, yeah. you know, he's, he's got the huge fee reward at which he has to conquer, so he's got a little bit of an arc as well. But, mm-hmm. like I say, he's just very ordinary, which I mean is a real compliment because famously, Charlton Hessner is really, really interested mm-hmm. in the world of Gordy. Yeah. But Spielberg t- turned him down because he said... Heston has been Moses. He's been Ben Hur. Who's yeah. going to think he isn't going to vanquish <laughs> the shark? Not fair for the shark because the shark wouldn't last through the first act. You know, yeah. And that's, that, that's such a perfect way of summing up what Shide brings. He brings vulnerability. And he's just got a really late, thoughtful performance going on here. You can see how much Alex Kinton's death weighs on his conscience when he's that scene you mentioned, John, when mm-hmm. he's at the dining table. And he needs cheering up. You can see how much it's weighing on him. You can yeah. see how much he gets pushed around by Larry and everyone else. No one really gives him that much attention. They give him respect because of the title, but not because of him as a person, which I think makes him an interesting character to have as the hero. So, yeah, I think it's a really, really great performance from Scheider. Like Wesley he says, he holds the film together. Yeah. He does. He is brilliant as Brody. But it took a while for Spielberg to find his man. When the studio first asked Peter Benchley who he wanted to play the three main characters in Jaws, he said Paul Newman, Robert Redford, and Steve McQueen. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's the shark? <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Who are the three biggest movie stars in the world? I'll just have them, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Spielberg considered Robert Duvall as Brody. Nice. Yeah, he considered okay, yeah. Gene Hackman as Brody. Mm. And then he met Roy Schreider at a party. Spielberg told him he was struggling to fill this part in Jaws and Schreider shamelessly put himself forward. So what about me? I'm an actor. And Spielberg cast him, which I think yeah. worked out all right, didn't it? Yeah, because he overheard oh, them yeah. in the conversation saying, and then the shark gets on the boat. And then Schneider was like, What's this? <laughs> this sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, the person I'm going to talk about, certainly my favourite character in the film, is Hooper, played by nice. Richard Dreyfuss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slightly strange man, Dreyfus. <laughs> which yeah. is probably why I like him. Oh, yeah, you love him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Hooper is Dreyfus at his best for me. He's yeah. likable, he's charming, he's funny, but also he is an excellent actor, so he steps up in the dramatic moments as well. I got my spit. Mm. I know that the studio originally wanted Jan Michael Vincent because he was more like Hooper in the book. Right, but right. Spielberg's best pal, George Lucas, he'd worked with Dreyfus on American Graffiti and he recommended him yeah, to Spielberg. Yeah. Someone wants me. But at first, Dreyfus wasn't at all keen and he actually turned Spielberg down because he didn't fancy filming out at sea. That's going to be a bitch to shoot. But then the apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz came out and Dreyfus thought he was dreadful in it. So he called Spielberg up and begged <laughs> if he could still be in Jaws, which... <laughs> Again, worked out pretty well, I think. I love yeah. him in the film. Yeah. Yeah, he's fantastic. When he brings, mm, like, two bottles of wine. I didn't know what you were eating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone have yeah. that? And then just starts eating. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. It's great. He always seems to have self-doubt, though. Dreyfus, whatever he does, because after filming yeah. finishing this, he did an interview where he said, oh, the film's a disaster. I'm awful in it. You know, it never has any confidence in himself, and he blamed it all on Universal. It is not Steven Spielberg's fault. I repeat that. It is not Steven's fault or anyone's fault. It is the fault of Universal Studios giving this giving this film an arbitrary May 2nd start date. Um, I mean, obviously, he talked to him now, he's changed his mind, and um, says it's the film he's most proud of, which is understandable. Yeah, because what? Yeah. Stakeout. Another stakeout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but rightly so, I mean, he is brilliant. I love his intro where he ad-libs with one of the local fishermen. Yeah, they're all going to die. He's yeah, great yeah. in the autopsy scene. And he has some really good comedy moments as well. Excellent yeah. all the way through. Yeah. Aye, aye, sir. Aye, Jim boy. Aye. 
And Westy, who do you want to talk about? Oh, am I going to talk about Quint, obviously? What a fucking badass. <laughs> Isn't he? He's just from his introduction <laughs> scraping his yeah. nails down the wall, <laughs> yeah. down the blackboard. Everyone turns around and he's just, he's eating, I don't even know what he's eating. Probably some kind of <laughs> fish. And he's, I've just caught this, whatever, a cracker or something. And he's talking through it. And it's just that real kind of, that kind of huge, masculine, central figure. <laughs> and I think Robert Shaw was a, a, an incredible actor. I mean, I absolutely right. love Force 10 from Navarone. I think that's one of the, one of the great films yeah. that nobody talks about. And he tried to get himself through this performance by drinking through it. And it didn't work. And Spielberg said that. So, and I know there was like those troubles with him and Dreyfus on set. With the great... Dreyfus Shaw feud. I know he, he kind of said at one point, oh, I wish I could just stop drinking. And then Dreyfus just took his shot glass off and just threw it overboard. <laughs> and I know there was like, there was a few other things. He was just like saying the way that he dressed was just stupid and he just looked like a little kid or whatever else. So I would say, look at you, Dreyfus. You eat and you drink and you're fat and you're sloppy. I'm have to take this abuse much longer. Shaw challenged Dreyfus to do push-ups. And Dreyfus couldn't do it. And then he said, yeah, I bet you can't jump off the top of the Yorker, which was 90 feet. And yeah. Dreyfus was going to until Spielberg stopped him. 90 feet? That's, that's a lot, that. That's too far. That's a lot of feet. He would, he would have broken every bone in his body in the water. That 90 feet is ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, an incredible actor and an incredible performance. And for that reason, he needs to be up there. So yeah, Quinn for me. Yeah, when you see and hear Robert Shaw talk in real life and compare to Quint, you realise how great an actor he was because mm. it's like a different person. Totally, He's yeah. still pretty offensive, though, even in real life. There's a lot of skeletons in the cupboard here, you know. There's more incest going on in Martha's Vineyard than probably any state in the, in the United States. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that Spielberg's first choice to play Quint was actually Lee Marvin, yeah. but he said he'd rather go fishing for real. <laughs> Robert Mitchum turned it down. Not the same. Oliver thing. Reed turned it down. <laughs> Ollie Reed. Imagine oh, him doing this speech. It would be twenty pages. Bombastic as fuck. And Sterling Hayden turned it down because he owed the government millions in taxes, so he would have been working for free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was the same for sure. Really, that to fly him to Canada every weekend because he he was in like kind of tax. He had to give up his whole oh, salary right, yeah. just to pay Correct. off his taxes. Yeah, so they could fly him to Canada every weekend. <laughs> come back, I'll just do this just to pay me taxes off. So I think everyone involved was just thinking, oh, well, I'll just do this, see what happens. And yeah. it was massive. Yeah, the, the other thing I love about Troll, apart from the performance, is, as Wesley says, he was a writer, novels, screenplays, very well yeah. respected as well. This wasn't just like a little yeah. sideline he had going on. That's a bit embarrassing now properly well respected so he brings a lot to the script and he did a lot of research as well he lived at Martha's Vineyard for two weeks with a guy called Craig Kingsby who's a, a genuine fisherman and he took so much inspiration from him that's where he gets the line you know always talks about the bluegills and the tommycots I'd like going down the pond chasing bluegills or tommycots oh yeah, great which, line yeah great line I mean I don't know what a tommycot is or what it looks like but it sounds amazing <laughs> yeah. that's where he got it from and he came up with the, the Spanish lady song himself and you know the Mary Lee Limerick <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something that, he saw on the Tombstone in Ireland. Tombstone in Ireland, yeah, because Spielberg said, we're going to have to find out what book you got that from because we're going to have to pay for the rights of it. He's like, no, it's on a Tombstone in Ireland. They are amazing. Yeah, Craig Kingsbury was a real-life quaint, apparently. He's in the film too, Craig Kingsbury. Do you know where? All right. No? no. He plays Ben Gardner and he gets a few lines. Hello. Hello, back. And then oh, he plays Ben Gardner's head in the famous jump scare right. scene. 
wow, okay, that's that's <laughs> hard to play, surely. Wow. <laughs> Which is a, that's a nod back to the birds as well, like the first body they find with yeah, the eyes the eye picked, being out. picked out. Just yeah, like this yeah. one eye going, you're like, oh, yeah, you're just Hitchcock, yeah, you're going to get a scare, <laughs> rip off Hitchcock. So one of the benefits of being in All The Right Movies Patreon is that we'll answer your questions on the show, and we have one of those questions right now. It's about the mm-hmm. cast, and it's from George Anderson. Joe, of course, of course it is. It is. Joe's Who Anderson. Going to be? <laughs> <laughs> Loves Take Jaws. Away, George. Hey guys, George here. My question for Jaws is this: If the film were ever to be remade, who would you cast in the iconic leading roles, including Mayor Vaughn? Great man, George, and that's a great question. It is a great yes. question. Yeah. Well, what do you think, Wesley? Who are you casting in oh, Jaws today? One I've, one, I've, one I've thought about for a week this <laughs> all right um who should i go for first i'm gonna go for um quint and i'd have denzel <laughs> oh what do you think about that oh, oh. Field, love it. ludicrously good i think is what you meant to say yeah. grizzled you don't expect it from yeah. that character really yeah. just fucking yeah where's this guy come from to, to like yeah. a real coast town white Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna take care of this great white. Yeah, great. Loads of racial connotations in there. Fantastic. <laughs> Cooper. I would have Timothy Chalamet as the little nerd. All right. Yeah. Turning up curly hair. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know which yeah. wine to bring. Fantastic. <laughs> Brody DiCaprio. He's on the top of his game right now. Lovely. And he will be fantastic. Yeah. Well, obviously, the mayor, lovely, yeah. right. Obviously, and then the mayor I'd have is Anthony Hopkins because I think he would be fantastic just bringing that real kind of we're keeping the beaches open it's like yeah. you know what I mean Ugh, like bastard but lovable yeah. bastard great yeah that's my fault right I like it I like it yeah. you don't you hate it but I love it <laughs> Matt who are you going for <laughs> no one outrageous put it that way um, nothing outrageous there it's fucking great cast <laughs> Right, Brody, I wanted the everyman quality, so I've gone for Jesse Plemons, because I love Jesse Plemons, and he right, just okay. has that, just yeah, ground yeah. quality, I love him. I like Plemons. Yep, yep. Plemons, Plemons for Brody. For Hooper, I've gone for Joe Keery, who plays Steve in Stranger Things, if you watch Stranger Things. Yes, okay. He's, he's, right. got, you know, okay. he's got the mad hair, he's got the geekiness, so I think yeah, he'd right. be great uh, as Hooper. For Quint, I'm going Brendan Gleeson, actually. Oh, right. I think oh, Gleeson right. has yeah. the grizzled... It's- the grizzled it sounds more too. like a Netflix series, this though, Matt. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, you know what? It might be one of them yellow barrels. <laughs> it might be. You never know. And then for Larry, Mayor Larry, Bob Odenkirk. Mm-hmm. Odenkirk, lovely. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what a bastard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally un- unreliable. Odenkirk's really. <laughs> yeah, Very yeah. good. <laughs> Better call the mayor. <laughs> I think we should mention some of the other cast members too. Lorraine Gary, the real life wife mm-hmm. of studio head Sid Sheinberg, as yes, Alan yeah. Brody plays her part. Fantastic. And Murray Hamilton as Mae Vaughan sports a superb array of summer jackets. Yes. And, and terrible hair. <laughs> and the best performance in the film is obviously the guy who catches the tiger shark. A what? but in those three we talked about Roy Scheider Richard Dreyfus, Robert Shaw the three R's excellent performances across the board yes all the way absolutely absolutely if you are a professional looking at the European startup scene Germany is a place you cannot miss fortunately for you there is startuprad.io 
the authority on German startups. This English-only podcast brings you fresh interviews each week. Most likely, you have never heard or read anything on these startups before in English, but you will in the future. Be ahead of the curve and subscribe to StartupRad.eo podcast or check for the StartupRad.eo internet radio station. Check your Alexa for the StartupRad.eo skill as well. Welcome to the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, the show that uses a unique rating style to redefine what the greatest movies are. I'm Tom Duncan. And I'm Dana Duncan. Have you ever wondered why a particular movie is considered one of the greatest of all time? Such as, why do people talk about Citizen Kane as this great all-time American classic? Well, using our patent-pending Stanley rubric, we've judged dozens of films on their legacy, their impact, their significance, their novelty, their classicness, their rewatchability. And then, to allow you to all have a say, we've even included some audience scoring from a few reputable places. Yes, we've covered some great classics so far on the show, including Raiders of the Lost Ark, Casablanca, Back to the Future, Jaws, Roman Holiday, Iron Man, Caddyshack, and many, many more. If you've ever wondered how Pretty Woman would be compared to Jurassic Park, we've talked about both, and have their individual scores on our site. Join my dad and I every Wednesday for a brand new episode as we explore a new classic movie and see how it stacks up against the rest. Just a few of the movies we're talking about this season include Singing in the Rain, The Godfather, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and Hoosiers. You won't want to miss out, so subscribe to the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast wherever you get your podcast. It's completely free to you. Or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at Podcast. Hello film fans, we are the Film vs. Film podcast. My name is Martin Harris, the host, and I'm always joined by the film encyclopedia man, Boaz Dix. We are a couple of filmmakers on occasion, but mainly can't stop yapping about movies. On this podcast, every episode, we pick a topic from a film that's coming out at the cinema or on streaming. Myself and Boaz pick our favourite film from that topic, or team up against a guest and battle it out to decide which film will become the greatest film of all time, according to two film geeks from Wiltshire, England. We release our episodes every other Saturday, plus bonus spoiler special episodes about new films we love. You can find us anywhere on your favourite podcasting app. Remember, please do subscribe. Pod Trailer, signing off. Aside from Spielberg and the cast, there were a lot of other talented people who worked on Jaws, and we're going to pick some of those out now to talk about. So, Westy, who are you going to go for? Yeah, I'm going to go for Bill Butler, who was the director of photography on Jaws, and I think he okay. had an incredibly hard job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's sticking with Spielberg, just going, I want this, and I want this, and I want this to happen, and I want that to happen, and I've got all this stuff in my head, and he's got to actually make it work. And I think he really, really does. And, you know, mm. he's not got a lot of credits behind him. He's got he's, he's done some fantastic films. I mean, he did Rocky 2, 3, and 4, so he completely <laughs> saved that <laughs> franchise, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> he did Grease as well, which I think Grease, it, it yeah. just looks yeah, yeah. over time and yeah, kind of looks right. like Jaws. It just has that kind of feel to it and has that kind of mould to it, and I think that's what he does really well here. But 
what everyone's going to talk about is the invention or the reinvention of the the zolly or the smash shot or the contra zoom or the you know the the shot the jaw shot yeah which i think was down to spielberg to do and easy for bill butler to do because he's like well that was done you know by second unit cameraman Ehrman roberts on vertigo i mean to the point where he's like it's it's integral that this is shot as if you're treading water it's integral that this is yeah. shot as if it's from the waterline because them shots in the film really really make the tension work oh, and really fantastic. ramp yeah, yeah. the whole thing home and bill butler had to like go away and figure out how to encase a 35mm camera and just have it on the waterline so it goes down, it goes up, it's fine. Mm. So he invented a watertight box that went round 35mm camera so wow. it could go in, it could go out, and it was all handheld. It was all just very much, yeah. that's him in the water, he's just kind of given the movement of the shark or not given the movement of the shark or given the impression of what's going on. And again, that's Spielberg's direction, but it's his delivery. The way he delivers that vision mm. is absolutely incredible. The way he delivers the vision of Spielberg going, oh, they're just going from one side on the ferry to the other. The car's there. There's some guys over there, some guys over there. Um, just just shoot that so that everyone's in the frame. Okay, fine. But he's shooting it so nobody looks distorted. It's not a wide angle. You feel comfortable watching it. Everyone's lit perfectly, even though it's direct sun. You know, so he had a lot to do. And everything that I think he, he had to do in this film, he nails. And no one knows who Bill Butler is. And everyone knows who Roger Dickens is. But I think without Bill Butler, you wouldn't have people like Roger Dickens. And he nails it. Yeah, in 2003, Bill Butler received the ASC Lifetime Achievement Award, mainly for his work and innovations on Jaws. And when he did, actually, yeah. Spielberg wrote him a letter saying that he couldn't have made Jaws without him, which is nice. Absolutely oh, true. Wow. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Totally yeah, true. I mean, it is such a visual film, and the combination of the two of them, Spielberg and Butler, just fantastic. However, not every shot in the film was carried out by Butler and Spielberg. The moment towards right. the end of the film where Hooper goes under in the cage... There were two shark experts mm. called Ron and Valerie Taylor, who Spielberg hired to film a four foot eleven inch stuntman called Carl Rizzo in a small cage to make the shark look bigger. Yeah. And when they were filming right. that cage scene, one of the sharks got entangled in the cage for real and started thrashing about. And they used that footage for real in the film. Oh yeah, yeah. That's why they changed the ending, isn't it? So that he's he's whole cage broke and then he was on the bottom of the water exactly yeah, that's right. so they changed that because of that footage mm. which is incredible oh, wow. but if you look at the footage that Spielberg and Butler do it's like it's going to be a tracking shot it's going to be a zoom it's going to be a perfectly mm. composed it's going to be a split <laughs> diopter for De Palma it's going to be really <laughs> cinematic and then you go oh yeah that's actual shark footage <laughs> yeah. totally, totally, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> it totally works as like a contrast of like yeah i want to be up there because the, up there is really cinematic down here is fucking terrifying yeah so it really works <laughs> and matt which of that crew member are you going to talk about well it's got to be john williams hasn't of course it, it has it has to be <laughs> i mean just just in general where would spielberg be without williams do no you think way. who knows no who well knows. yeah i mean still direct colombo so without colombo <laughs> <laughs> but i think particularly his, his music just has so much i love the dramatics of all this music when they're out on the orca that's great but yeah. it is the famous theme that you've got to talk about because it's one of those pieces of music it goes beyond the limits of the film because i guarantee 
anyone watching this who's a parent, I guarantee when it's been bath time, yeah, you've done da, the da, 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 da. with your kids <laughs> when they're little. Even if you haven't seen the film, you've still done it when you go swimming, swim pools in the sea. <laughs> you always do it, every single parent, guaranteed. Yeah. And the great thing is the kids understand that music is supposed to be scary yeah. and menacing and they totally get it just from two notes. I mean, I listen to it now and I just think in my head, I always think, well, yeah, that's what a shock sounds like, doesn't it? Like when a shark is swimming about, that's the music <laughs> in its own head. Like when people talk about music being a character in the film, yeah. I can't think of a better example than the theme from Jaws. No, mm. absolutely correct, because the shark didn't exist. There wasn't a character, yeah. and Williams yeah, had to create exactly. that character because yeah. it wasn't there visually. So you had to create yeah. it. I know Spielberg went in to listen to the first drafts of the score, yeah. and he played it to him when he was like, Well, do you really think that will work? And then yeah. watched it with the visuals, and he was like, Yeah. Williams did win his second Oscar for Jaws, and I think it's difficult to overstate his importance to the film. Yeah. Yeah. Designers aren't often people that we talk about, but a mention should go to Roger Castell as well, I think. It was he who designed the iconic poster for Jaws, one of the great yeah, movie posters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfect for any bathroom. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Have you seen as well the Polish poster for Jaws 2? Well, obviously not. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not, John. It's the same as the poster for Jaws, but the shark has got two mouths. <laughs> How disappointed would he be, though, in Poland if you go to see the film and it's only got one mouth? George <laughs> yeah. like, where, Where's the film? The poster did promised they not, me? Did they print it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> so a talented crew worked on Jaws then, and with the issues Spielberg had to contend with, Many of those people were integral in helping him get it over the line. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Jaws is packed wall to wall with famous moments, and we're going to talk in more detail about some of them now as we each pick our highlight from the film. Yes. So, Westy, mm -hmm. what's your highlight from Jaws? My highlight from Jaws is always the scene from Jaws that I remember, which is the opening sequence, which is Lovely. the death of Chrissy Watkins. <laughs> We all grew up in a in a coastal town, and I grew up in a coastal town, and we all went out, and you'd go down the beach, and you'd have a few drinks, and the fire would be there, and it'd be like, yeah. no one ever was stupid enough to go, oh, let's just, just go in the, let's just go in the ocean then, because we'd seen Jaws, but I think this opening sequence is so impactful, because you don't say anything, it's so Hitchcockian, it's so much like the shower scene in Psycho for me, where you don't say anything, you don't see the knife hit the flesh. You don't see the shark's teeth bite her. It's just this human reaction and score. And it's just incredibly well done. And the silence of that bell just tolling, just mm. bang, yeah. bang. And the guy's yeah. passed out on the shore. And this set up for me, like, my whole thought process of Spielberg doesn't make films with three acts. He makes them with six. He always mm. puts a three-act film before any film he's ever done after Jaws. I mean, look at Saving Private Ryan, the Omaha Beach sequence, is a film in itself. And this, to me, is his first one. And he, he absolutely nails it. And I think that when they, they got the idea of who should possibly be the opening person to, like, to be, you know, killed in this film. <laughs> Susan Backlinney, who plays Christian Watkins, she was a swimwear model. The producer, Richard D. Zanuck, found, found... 
That sounds ominous. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he showed Spielberg yeah, yeah. a portfolio, like, oh, this landed on me desk. What do you think of that? <laughs> and Spielberg said, yeah, yeah, she's great, but can she act? And then Zanuck said, well, I don't know. <laughs> Look at that. So, you know, yeah, that's the 70s for you. That's 1975. But they had guys on the show with lines attached to her body, pulling her left, right, left, right, mm. constantly. And when she disappears under the water, mm. it's just so terrifying yeah for an opening sequence it's just a spielberg opening sequence and to me if you're going to say jaws is a spielberg movie i'd say nah but i'd say the opening sequence is a spielberg opening sequence yeah you're right the gargling sound that she makes as she's screaming they were recorded in post spielberg brought susan battling you back in and the basically waterboarded her pulled yeah. water down her throat Horrible. recorded it yeah steven is actually guilty of a war crime Chrissy Watkins is the first shark killed in the movie, and for my highlight, I'm talking about the second, the Alex Kidner oh. sequence. I oh, mean, yeah. when a 10-year-old can die, we know anybody can die. It's yeah. brutal, and Spielberg is all over this sequence. Yeah, the build-up of tension is just fantastic. Yeah. Brody sees an old man's head in the water, and then a girl screaming playfully. We see Pippet, the dog's missing. That's the worst bit, mm. obviously. Yeah. Is yeah. it the dog? Yeah. No, I thought, thank God it's the kid. <laughs> <laughs> I think the editing's brilliant as well, where people are walking in front of the camera to yeah. wipes, yeah. builds the tension. The editor yeah. was Verna Fields and she won an Oscar for it. And then yeah. suddenly we're beneath the waves and we hear the music. We see the shark for the first time in the film from Brody's point of view when it rolls over in the water and the way that Alex bobs up before vanishing. He's still alive and conscious when he goes into the water, yeah. which is just yeah. terrifying. Yeah. And then yeah. we get the famous Dolly Zoom, which you mentioned, Westy. But this is surely the most famous Dolly Zoom. It's just so yeah. cinematic. Puts us right in yeah. Brody's shoes. Just a fantastic sequence. It was originally supposed to be even more graphic as well because it's behind-the-scenes photographs mm. that show a model of Alex in the mechanical yeah. shark's mouth that they shot. But again, yeah. it's better that we don't see it, I think. I mean, no, watching the sequence... That spray of blood is enough. That oh, just when you step from that wide shot, it's like, yeah, that's yeah. enough. It's awful, yeah. I mean, Spielberg was only 27, but at this point, he's already like a master. Just yeah. absolutely incredible. Mrs. Kitten was played by an actress called Lee Friero, but she seems quite old to be Alex's mum. <laughs> <laughs> seems like, like he's like, should be his nana or something, but she walks up and she slaps Brody. Yeah. You get Hooper's reaction, and you, <gasps> that's mm. the audience reaction. But she did that slap 17 times. Yes. Brody. Yes. And Matt, what's your highlight from the film? What's got to be the Indianapolis speech? Oh, that's the USS Indianapolis. <laughs> from oh, yes. yes. I mean, it's probably everyone's, isn't it? And <laughs> I mean, I'm not the first person to make this point by any stretch of imagination, but it does need saying, you know, for a fact, if Jaws gets made today, you don't have this scene. You'd get a full on flashback to a young Quint. Lots of CGI, big explosions, lots of sharks. Mm. Holy shit! It would probably be fine, it would probably work, but work as well as this, no chance. No chance it's as effective yeah. as just a great actor, <laughs> just painting pictures in your head with nothing else but great dialogue. Yeah. In the simplicity of the scene, that to me is what the magic of cinema is all about. Because it is, yeah. After Quinn talks, you feel you've seen the Indianapolis mm. sink, yeah. just from him telling you about it, the details, 
the shark's eyes rolling back that just shivered down my spine every yeah, time he gets black to, to that white bit. yeah from mm. black to white yeah sometimes he wouldn't go away like oh <laughs> jesus christ what has this man seen we've mentioned her already but i want to mention verna field skin because i think she's edited this sequence brilliantly yeah she knows when to cut away for reactions to brody and to Hoover, mm. when to just hold the shot on quint but the last thing i want to mention about it is one of the bits i think probably gets overlooked the most which is how brilliantly it's set up by Dreyfus because Hooper, pissed as a newt, having a good, great or laugh showing off his scars and then boom. Yeah. As soon as Quinn just mentioned he was on the Indianapolis. Yeah, his expression changes Sober completely. as a judge. Yeah. 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 But I think as part of that, you've, you've got to acknowledge the famous story behind the speech as well, which is that Spielberg brought in Howard Sackler to help with the writing. And his main input was thinking, well, Quint, he needs a backstory. This is nothing to him yet. And yeah. handily at the time, this is when the story of the USS Indianapolis had been declassified. So he saw that. It's like, oh, perfect. That fits with Quint absolutely perfectly. So he brought it in as a monologue, which was only three quarters of a page. Amazingly. I mean, mm. I can't imagine how that would be that short. <laughs> but at the time... Spielberg was quite pally with John Milius and Milius yeah. had heard about this said oh can I have a, like can I take a pass at it see what I can do his take was 10 pages yeah. which Robert Shaw then got hold of went that's just too long can I have a go and he's the one who halved it down to five which is yeah. what we get in the film yeah yeah, and that's funny as well speaking from going from like you know mortal to stone cold sober mm-hmm. when you hear it because I mean the first time that Shaw had a crack at this he wanted to be drunk doing it and now you see he was an alcoholic all of his life and he said to Spielberg, look, I need a little bit of Dutch courage to do this and it'll be better for all a little bit wavy or whatever mm-hmm. else. And this was like nine o'clock in the morning and he had a fair <laughs> few shots and he was kind of going for it and then had to be carried onto the set to do it. And his first pass at it couldn't remember a thing so that to carry him <laughs> off set, he fell asleep and he rang Spielberg early hours of the morning and just said, look, I'm really sorry, did I embarrass myself? Like, what do I need to do? And he's like, just come back tomorrow and just do it again. That was not good enough. So he comes back the next day, stone cold sober, and delivers the speech that we see on screen. First take, mm-hmm. first time, that's what you see. Absolutely incredible piece of work. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Richard Draper tells a good story as well about Peter Benchley's cleaner who didn't come into work the day after that she'd seen Jaws because her son had been on the Indianapolis and she had never known wow. how he died until she saw oh the my film. God. He'd been bitten in half below the waist. We're coming up to the end now. One thing left, though. There is one thing. Not that it makes that much difference. We're going to give our ratings for Jaws. Mm-hmm. Oof. Marty, you first, please. Your summary and score for Jaws. It's really easy, this one for me. We did Arank and Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stormy Thunder, of course it's a five. <clears throat> no, we, we did a Rank and Spielberg podcast episode, didn't we? And we did. Yeah. I, and for that, I had this at number one then. Now, since then, Spielberg's made West Side Story, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, I didn't good enjoy it that yeah. much. No, so, that it's, much, yeah. funnily enough, <laughs> Jaws is still number one now. I mean, it has insanely <laughs> tough competition. But like say for me, this is Spielberg before he knows he's Spielberg, before he quite knows what he's doing. And that to me is just what adds a little bit of magic to this film. That's what keeps it fresh. A film where you barely see the shark, a film where it's in the water, so all you have to do is stay on land, but the stuff on land is just as exciting because the actors are amazing, the music's incredible. It's just a real one-of-a-kind, one-off film that, like say, if he'd made it 10 years later, it would have been very different. 
nowhere near as good. So for me, it's a very easy 10. Ooh. Yeah, for me, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Jaws. The way it looks, the way it feels, the characters, the music, the story, all brilliant. It's in my top 10 of all time, which makes it a 10. Wow. On top of that, Spielberg making this at such a young age and having to deal with problem after problem during production is incredible. The shark is not working. Repeat. The shark is not working. That makes it worthy of a 10. And the impact and influence it's had since. Highest grossing film ever. First of a blockbuster. Influence a generation of filmmakers. That's worthy of a 10. So, in total, I'm giving Jaws 30 out of 10. <laughs> no, it's a ten for me. Obviously, an yeah. easy ten. Yeah. And Westy, your summary and score for Jaws, please. What do you, what do you fucking think? Um, <laughs> Here he comes to deliver the bomb. Yeah, it's a, it's a six. Um, <laughs> but we delivered the bomb. Um, there's nothing else I can say, really. To be perfectly honest, it's not one of them films that I revisit so many times that I that I should. And every time I do revisit it, I think, fucking hell, why haven't I seen this for so long? No matter what bit you watch, you're engaged to. No matter what bit you watch, it's got this real vibrancy and fullness to it. Where it's a homage, but it's also a look what I can do, look where I'm going kind of film. Mm, yeah. And it it's against all the odds. Sure, and Dreyfus shouldn't have got on and it shouldn't have worked, but it does. And, you know, Schneider shouldn't have been as good, but he was. So, yeah, it's a fucking 10, of course it is. It's a great film. So overall, that leaves Jaws with a huge 30 out of 30. Mm. Top marks. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's a 30-footer. <laughs> 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 and that's all we have on this episode of The Cutting Room. If you like what we do here, you can gain access to bonus episodes of The Cutting Room by supporting us on Patreon. You can also get access to 124 All The Right Movies podcasts and lots more. 124? <sighs> Big numbers there. I know. Right? Your help and support massively appreciated, and the more support we get, the more videos we can and will make. We're going to say farewell and adieu for now, yep. so thanks for watching, folks. Thank you, yeah. guys. Really thanks appreciate watching, it. Guys. Yeah, great of you. Look at this, Matt. Look at this. Thresher. Look at that. Look at that, man. Thresher. I've got that bait. I've got no, that. No, we haven't. No, we haven't. Just look Bye. at this. Look at this. No, See what happened to my heart. Show me the way to go home. Yes. I'm, I'm tired and I want to go, go to bed. bed. I had. What's that?